0: You are listening to the Evolution Exchange NHS podcast. We shine a light on the topics that matter to digital and data leaders within the NHS. I'm Emma Heath and I help connect digital leaders with interim talent in the NHS and I'm your host. The views expressed by guests are their own and do not necessarily reflect the official position or policy of their organisation. All right, well welcome everybody to today's podcast discussing the topic of mental health leaders in the NHS. Um, I'm really excited to be discussing this topic because I actually noticed today that it's May is actually Mental Health Awareness Month so I think it's kind of really appropriate that we're discussing this topic. Um, I also noticed that the theme this year is loneliness and I think some of the questions you guys have just kind of sent over today are in relation to some of these topics so really interested to hear your thoughts Um, So what we'll do first is we'll just go into the intros. I'll start off with myself to kind of make you all feel at ease. Um, I know you all know me already, but I'm Emma and I work on the NHS team Evolution Recruitment. We're a Crown Commercial Service Framework Supplier who deliver interim digital IT and tech talent into the NHS. Our purpose at Evolution is that we are committed to helping people and NHS organisations realise their potential. There are three parts to that. Firstly, our goal is to develop deep relationships with individuals, building trust to make doing business easier. Second to that, what we do is collaborate with NHS organisations, helping them build high performing digital teams. And finally, how we do that is through curating and sharing insights into the ever evolving NHS and digital industry best practice, such as events like this podcast tonight. Um, So that's me. So Jody, you're first on my screen so unfortunately I'm going to pick on you so if it's okay with you just introduce yourself to the group just you know a little bit more about your role and your background if that's okay.
1: Yeah that's fine so I'm Jodie um, I work at Sheffield Teaching Hospitals and I'm the Operational Manager in Gastroenterology and Hepatology um, so that covers sort of outpatients and inpatients. so um, I've been in this role for about two years now but prior to that um, sort of most of my working career has been in the NHS. I started off while I was at university working on sort of receptions um, and then I've just progressed from there mainly in outpatient departments but I've also worked in the community and sort of A&E as well so yeah.
0: Thanks Jodie and um, Rob will come round to you next.
2: Hi uh, uh, yeah so uh, my name's Rob Darcy and uh, I work for Tees, Esk and Weir Valley's NHS Foundation Trust. I've been working for this trust uh, for my first job uh, in the NHS uh, and it's um, the longest uh, job I've had. I'm, I'm coming up nine years uh, in the role and um, I'm the data centre manager at the trust and um, IT has always been my my trade and um, I've always said it's a, an honour and a privilege to kind of leverage that, that skill set within a healthcare setting. It certainly uh, gets me out of bed in the morning with regards to giving me some sort of real purpose to the work. Our trust um, covers a large swathe of the northeast of England, offering um, clinical a range of clinical services, right the way from uh, child and adolescent through to mental health services for older people, lots of community services, lots of inpatient services. We cover from around the uh, York and Selby region up to uh, North Durham. And uh, as I say, I mean, I, I, I work as a a team of six as the data centre manager, and I'm just really uh, pleased to meet you all. And uh, thanks for asking us to come on, Emma. Thank you, Rob.
0: And then last
3: but not least, Liam. Hi everyone. Uh, so my name's Liam Dodds. Um, I'm programme manager working for uh, Harrogate and District NHS Foundation Trust. Um, I've been there since uh, August last year um joined after a couple of weeks got moved on to working on some covid activity so I hadn't actually been long into my role um my background is that I'm a nurse um so uh, I used to be a i started off as an ICU nurse uh, it was my favorite job it's all I ever wanted to do um I did whilst I was there um and I'm not built for nursing anymore so I moved sort of into to different fields from there
0: Perfect. Thank you very much, Liam. All right. we we'll, right, we'll move straight on to the questions now. So, Jodie, I'll just come back round to you. Um, so I, what I'll do is I'll just read your question back to you. And then, like I said, if it's all right, if you could just give us a little bit of an insight into that and then we'll come round and, and do the um, answers. So, Jodie, your first question was in an industry where mental health support has always been at a premium and an area that is often recognised widely as being limited, how can we better utilise digital technology to help mediate the process of self-care in patients suffering with mental health?
1: Typical. Um, <laughs> yeah. So these questions sort are of derived from. So um, we've obviously we are, we have services dedicated to mental health um, that provide that, but often you know it can be struggled to get patients on that waiting list, or it can be quite long. Um, and through other services, throughout the through our trust and other trusts, you often find that these patients are on your waiting list and do require that sort of additional support while managing the conditions they're seeing you for, but the mental health is also impacting the con- that condition as well. Um, so sort of things that we're looking at at the minute um, within the trust is sort of developing a patient app, um, which will allow us to communicate better with patients um, and sort of rolling that out in different ways that we can feed information to patients but also for them to feed back with us so quick response times without having to necessarily see them or put clinic appointments or have inpatient stays um so it's just a different way of sort of remote monitoring um so I'm just interested to find out if you know in in your trust if there's anything that you have in place or you have a different approach to supporting patients with mental health
0: thank you Jodie for that um the, that background and um, Rob we'll come round to you first for your thoughts on that
2: yeah, I mean, um certainly as a as a point of reference, I think um through the pandemic our uh, uh IAP services um had some more kind of recent developments with new technology that's I think aligned um some of the I guess sort of trends that we've had through the pandemic with video conferencing with clinical platforms. Um so that's a, a project that was kind of serendipitously um, in a pilot phase prior to the pandemic but I think that's uh, a, a service called Attend Anywhere which has allowed within a, a clinical framework of governance uh, engagement with uh, people who you know for for whatever reason in terms of um, either being kind of COVID anxious with regards to um, the, the you know social distancing regulations uh, and, and rules or uh, possibly for for convenience, have been able to en- engage with clinicians via this platform, which is, you know, very much virtuous in the same way as um, this, this particular conversation right now. Um, so obviously uh, within a clinical framework offering something which um, is um, giving compliance, but also giving convenience and giving um, all of the kind of flexibility that uh, clinic clinicians may need themselves to work from home and also service users, I guess if they are finding themselves in um you know less convenient kind of physical locations due to restrictions and, and those kinds of things. So I think um obviously keeping up with the the trends of the you know the world through the pandemic with technologies in a clinical setting that really kind of um complement those trends is 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 a is a great thing that we've been on to uh, with that particular attend anywhere platform, um, I do think apps, in 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 many respects, you know, are are the way forward. And I know that, um, you know, uh, each each individual's sort of patient patient sort of um, care pathway will be unique and would would have different demands from what could be um, gained from any specific app. And I, I guess that would need to be tailored to a particular service. Obviously, if you're developing something for you know people in the child and adolescent cohort that might be something quite different to apps that you may need to be targeting towards if indeed you, if you if, if indeed you do you do target them to mental health services for older people because obviously um people's kind of um it skills and um ability to leverage some of these technologies shouldn't be taken for granted uh but you, you know, I think um, some of the services that we, we we run in terms of care pathways that can be complementary to uh, specific, maybe community based care pathways, such as the mindfulness service that we run um, and um, sort of speaking from experience of using mindfulness and meditation apps myself, I think, um, you know, that's a, a great way of kind of supporting um, patients really in a, in a method which is Sort of um, pu- pull cons- consummation in terms of them being able to potentially uh, leverage, you know, resources in a way which is convenient and on, on their own schedule through apps like that, and uh, either to, you know, signpost them towards um, the resources that they're consuming within the trust, or or, or indeed complementary resources uh, that may be, uh, you know, complementing the care pathways that have been been recommended. Um, so yeah video conferencing and uh, and certainly app based things i think um are 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 the way forward. I think there's probably something um with regards to the 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 sorts of um platforms where we can advertise these through um smartphones and mobile device management platforms that's probably quite quite new in terms of how you put them out into the world um for patients to use um and um I think that's probably a, a, an area that you know can be developed uh with some kind of unified thinking from the nhs at, at large uh to complement a range of different services that the nhs offers really
0: thank you Ralph um liam round to you
2: thanks
3: um i think i think options are great and i think that's what these things like these apps are doing for people is giving people other options which is fantastic i do think there's always going to be a place for more tactile services though um some people tech savvy um uh will will quite happily do what they do on an app and you know the we can develop things where if you've ever had to interact with mental health service before you know you keep your diary and so on and when you go and see your clinician you 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 show them your diary or any poignant moments from that that could be something that's quite easily um input into an app and then the clinician themselves can have flags set for different things or the app themselves can signpost them to resources that might help them at that time um but but as rob sort of touched on there'll be some people who won't be able to to interact with an app for maybe reasons to do with their health or just they they, they haven't the experience of it um i think you also have to contend with things like digital poverty um, certain areas of deprivation, you know, they won't have a smartphone that's compatible, they won't have data or they won't have the Internet at home. So it, it just won't be a a, um, a, an option for them, really. Um, I also think, you know, you look at you look at some industries and uh, analogs making a comeback, you know, vinyl sales are up and so on. So I think there's always going to be a demand from some people to have a, a real tactile experience with these things. but. But sort of like I said at the start options are great aren't they and if you've got the ability to engage with people in different ways um and free up resources so that you can direct some of those more resource heavy tactile experiences to the people who really need them um and those who might not necessarily benefit from them as much can can um, then engage with other um, media
0: Thank you, Liam. I don't know if anybody else has any extra thoughts on on that that they'd like to discuss. Uh,
2: Just that the uh, cash value of uh, some of my vinyl collection seems to be going up. So I definitely uh, would uh, reiterate that point.
0: (laughs) Perfect. All right. Wonderful. All right. Well, um, with that being said, we'll move on to the next question then. Um, So, Rob, we'll come round to your question next. So your question was, um, humans are inherently social animals who often naturally identify with groups. Given that a facet of good mental health is social connectedness and the challenges that are presented to this by hybrid working, what are some of the best ways you have found of keeping a team bonded on a social level?
2: Yeah, so, I mean, um, I I think for uh, some kind of ulterior motive of uh, inquiry, uh, I think this has been a bit of a difficult nut to... To crack, and as a manager, I'm kind of, you know, I'm sat here kind of s- somewhat concerned that, like, in terms of the closeness that we have as a team, that that third dimension of connectedness um, is 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 something we haven't been great at. I I, I, w- I think it's fair to say that we've been really great at leveraging the, the 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 homework and technologies, and we've we've really embraced it very well. But I guess as you were saying, Liam, like, you you, you You don't really want to kind of like completely blow out of the water all of the traditional ways of um, of connecting. And I mean, there was one experience that I had where um, there was there was a colleague um, and we met up to do um, some physical kit shifting um, at the data center. Uh, And it was the first time I'd seen my, my colleague from our team in in probably getting on for about two years through the pandemic. And uh, we did the the bits and pieces of the of the lifting and shifting. Uh, we just kind of were about to say our goodbyes in the car park. And we just started having a conversation, which I noticed was it lasted about 15 minutes. And it was it was very different, really, to the sorts of conversation that we would typically have over over teams. And I think that was probably due to the the nature of the different dynamic of actually being like in the, in the same physical space as each other. Um, it is Mental Health Awareness Month, and and uh, loneliness is is the theme. Um, and you know, speaking to the point of the the question in the first instance, you know, um, when we talk about l- l- humans, kind of uh, being naturally quite sort of group based, and um, some of the definitions that I was researching on loneliness before the podcast, uh, from a separate podcast saying that loneliness is defined as the mismatch between the relationships you have and the relationships that you want. And I think in terms of actually, you know, scratching beneath the surface sometimes and actually finding out what other people's kind of common interests are for you to gravitate um, more to the people in your team that you may have things in common with, you often may find that more traditionally if you take the time to spend some time with at a cafe or in a pub or in some of those social areas that We've probably been more used to traditionally for team building at the end of the working week, maybe going out in the city, um, going and having something to eat, or, or or whatever. Now we haven't really done any of that. We've not really managed to to achieve it. We've talked about it um, quite a lot, and we've we're a very busy team. We've had quite a lot of um, pressures with cyber risk and these kind of things that is, have often sort of derailed us from some of our sort of intended dates and 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 um, kind of things that we've um, earmarked as, as times and opportunities to do these sorts of things. But I do think we've, we've, to a certain extent, got sort of stuck in our COVID bubbles and our COVID kind of ways. And um, with the restrictions of the pandemic lifting, we haven't necessarily um, come out of those in the way that maybe we all sort of thought that we might, when we were seeing the restrictions, being a hindrance. Um, I think our team in particular We've always been very respectful of social distancing. we've always been very kind of mindful of oh well, if we you know if we do have this kind of meet up, is it possibly going to sort of um bring you know uh, a problem to this person and their family because of the risk of covid yeah. so it's it, it has it's just been something of a there's always been a good excuse not to do it I, I suppose is what i'm saying and and um I'm really keen to try to you know introduce um some kind of something that's attractive enough for us to um you know uh, not necessarily just kind of sit in a, a a meeting room and be on the clock with work um talking about work stuff because we can do that and we can look to do that but I think we do that very effectively and very well through through teams really it's just about trying to get that sort of that social bonding back and that connectedness um it's it's been more difficult than i expected really and i just wondered you know what your what your experiences have been and whether there's been any anything that's been a quick win with regards to something that everybody's grav- gravitated to it i wonder if we're you know a little bit more socially reluctant than your experiences and, and maybe you guys have, have, have gone out and hung out in the pub and it's all been great but it's it's kind of not not really worked out that way for us so i just wondered what your experiences have been really
1: So my um, experience to yours, Rob, is probably slightly different from a working from home point of view. Um, As as we're a bit more operational, sort of like we need that face-to-face contact with people, Um, not as many of my team went to work from home, so I've stayed working at the hospital throughout the pandemic, and so has the majority of my team, but we have had little pockets of the department where it was appropriate for them to work from home, Uh, and some of them are still working at home, which I imagine um maybe yourself is um and that's why you why you're still sort of maybe experiencing these sort of issues but um from my team's point of view i think one of the main things um initially when going to work from home was just making sure that they had all the means to be able to make contact with people and maintain that socialization so um it might sound a bit strange because you're all you're super probably good at IT, but we kind of had these little boxes, these little mini computer boxes that people took home with the screens. And at first, it it was like, yeah, we've got to work from home, but then we realised no one's got a webcam. So if we're trying to hold a team meeting and things, you can't see them, you know, to interact, see the facial expressions, get them involved. So we've sort of have, um, so when we're having bigger team meetings, we make sure that people always have the cameras on so that you can always see them and you can get them interacting as well. Um, so prior to the podcast, when I spoke to these teams who are still working at home, um, one of them mentioned just sort of little things that they do to sort of try and make themselves feel like they're still in the office. So it was it was the parts of, you know, just little bits of office chat, like uh, what what did you do last night? How did whatever go? And it was those kind of things that they were missing. So they've done sort of other things such as, you know, have a group WhatsApp um, where they can sort of still interact like they're in the office, uh, you know, send the odd jokes and things like that. Um, but then sort of other services where the teams are a bit bigger and maybe a little group chat isn't appropriate they've they have had sort of like sort of time out meetings where you know yeah they're also working from home but the meeting agenda is sort of focused on some sort of time out whether it be they do some games or just some team building exercises and they've found that really useful um but as I say, we've had we've had different sort of working from home experience to you. We do so I do a bit of like hybrid working from home. So I'll do a couple, probably do one day a week at home. But that's really just um, for my benefit. I tend to get a lot more done at um, at home without the distractions. But I feel better sort of being in the workplace with my team and just being able to pop round and see someone, ask a quick question. And that's generally where you get sort of chatting about just the you know, arranging a night out, arranging something or things like that. And I think it's just that quick contact. Whereas when it's through teams on, on telephone or something, you sort of like making, it sounds like a big effort, but you know, you're going out of your way to ring someone and it's whether they're willing to take that call about arranging some sort of, you know, socialization nights out kind of thing. But, um, I do. I do understand, like I say, we haven't got that many people working from home, still, but I do understand that keeping that sort of team morale and motivation and connectedness um, can be difficult when you're all remote working, I think.
0: Thank you, Jodie. Um, Liam, we'll come round to you next on, on this one.
3: Grand. Um, in terms of... Uh, what I suppose what we did for our teams in my in my previous role when um, we first went into lockdown and so on. So I was a, a clinical team leader for um, a continuing healthcare team. So uh, a large team of clinicians that went out and about in the community and assessed people's needs um, as to whether the, they met for NHS funding or not. So uh, a very face to face service that overnight turned virtual um, we we used to hold sort of daily morning briefings in terms of updating on guidance and things like that but what we quickly gathered was that people missed that social interaction as well so we set up sort of um midday daily huddles for people just to get together and chat um which we thought was going well until we sort of talked to people and, and found that, you know, there were some people that were were quite happy with it and, and others that didn't really get anything from it. And it was probably mostly because myself and and a couple of the other managers were trying to dial in all the time. And I don't think people particularly want to always have a social get together with the manager sitting on the shoulder, do they? So I think a, a learning point from us was to to actually let people get on and, you know, to have that interaction without, you know, everyone there. um all the time but i think it's it's definitely about being mindful about who is and isn't engaging in things and sometimes bigger groups are good for some things and smaller groups are better for others so that you don't have people who are feel like they can't chip into it because there's you know 10 15 other people who are really driving the conversation in terms of um social get-togethers um uh we started small rather than sort of doing a big bang sort of getting everybody out um I think knowing your teams is really useful, knowing what what's going on in people's lives, you know, who might be vulnerable or who might be looking after somebody who was vulnerable, particularly at the time when it, you know, it felt really scary, didn't it? It felt it felt like um, people could really be at risk from from just popping out to the shops and back. And I suppose they were in a way, weren't they? So I think it's about, you know, I I feel like I'm probably repeating myself, but it's about options, isn't it? Seeing what you can do for some people, but not leaving everybody behind and trying to work out. So you've got um, uh, a variety of different activities for, for those who who might want to engage in something face to face, but then still something on the back burner for those who will will not want to do so, but still want to be part of your team.
0: Thanks, Liam. Um Ian, I would just like to say welcome to the podcast.
4: Thank you. Apologies for my tardiness.
0: Don't worry, honestly, it's not a problem. Um, I just wanted to I, I don't know whether you like caught to some of the conversation there, what, what your kind of like thoughts were, you know, about those topics.
4: So we're a non-clinical function. We're we're not patient facing and we don't operate off a clinical site, we operate out of an office block. We're also quite we were quite early adopters of things like Teams. So when we had to move everybody to remote working back in, in March twenty twenty, um it actually wasn't as big a blow for us as it could otherwise have been because we were quite used to, we'd been using that kind of technology already. And I think that that might have made us a little cocky, um, because because we'd solved the techno- technological problems of getting people working remotely. We kind of underestimated the social impact and the mental health impact. And what we discovered over the course of, of, of lockdown is that the things that everybody miss, and, and everybody's touched on this so far, is what they call the water cooler conversations the um the the impromptu interactions that people have in the kitchen or things you overhear from one desk to another, and there doesn't seem to be an easy way in a remote working environment to recreate mm-hmm. that kind of spontaneous communication. The other thing that we've found is um and and again, i I think Jody touched on this. Uh, Some people took to remote working like Ducks-to-Water and others very much did not. Not everyone has got the space in their home to set up a separate work environment and that creates a whole bunch of problems around work-life balance and um, not so much working from home as living in work. And, And we were finding that that's a significant problem. People unable to switch off at the end of the day. The the boundary activity that commuting is that that lets you turn off the bit of your brain that does work, that wasn't there anymore. And also for people that lived alone, um, there's a big loneliness component in all of this. There's a big, um, you know, the office, particularly in my team, which, which is composed of uh, a, a bunch of data analysts who traditionally are somewhat introverted people, I've got people who whose only real social interactions was when they came into the office. Not not coming into the office meant their only interactions were in a, you know, a four-inch by four-inch square. And that started over the course of two years, that started to have a noticeable effect on people's mental health. And I think solutions to that we're still re- we're still wrestling with. Um, our office is still restricted in terms of what we can do in it um it's only now that we're looking at stepping down some of the restrictions so there are people who've been in the business that for, for two years that I've never met face to face and that that's a big problem
2: yeah I mean, can I just come in with uh you know my best idea around this and and it's not one that's that's happened yet but what I'd like to see ideally is is just meet because our, our team are kind of uh spread all over this big geographical trust um and there's, there's not really uh there's probably an hour and a half between me and my most most northerly colleagues so each of us have got to sort of drive 45 minutes to be in the same space and what i'd like to do as a as a manager is 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 probably to sort of have a, de- a team building exercise i think probably quarterly is 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 fairly reasonable uh, and to look at booking out maybe you know a, a whole afternoon Uh, factor in a little bit of travel time, uh, have something of a, maybe some sort of wider strategy conversation that we want to get out of kind of where we are, where we think we're going. But I think those sort of conversations can happen quite loosely, and I wouldn't say that if you pick a day with with a reasonable weather forecast, you couldn't have that sort of conversation quite easily at a nice park with a packed lunch and be able to kind of walk around a, a lake together, talk about that stuff. I've I've thought that would be a really sort of quaint way of of having this kind of you know the 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 pot of gold of the, at the end of the rainbow, which is being in the same space physically together, which we've just not had as a team for you know I can't even remember you, you know we've had we've actually had one member of the team who's joined um, and so during the pandemic and we you know we just we just have have never done that and we've never all been together like that and 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 that's something that um, I think would be be really cool especially because that sort of environment really does diminish anxiety about um, you know health and well-being risk with with Covid but I think it also probably will bring out that that additional dimension of being in a complete completely different environment to to this digital space uh, being on teams and just being able to talk more more freely and openly in that way really.
0: Thanks,
2: Rob. Liam. Yeah, I was just going to
3: say it. So, it sounds like a great idea, to be honest. And I think it, it can work in 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 a number of different ways. You can sort of, you know, if you're doing things like that quarterly, you can really work in your sort of your the what's coming out of your staff surveys from your trust and so on. You can really work those into the away day, so that you can see, you know, from from the previous quarter what was raised and. How staff think uh things have gone, have they improved or have they haven't, or what what things they want to to work together on as a team for the next quarter, I think in terms of um and for yourself as well in terms of you know targets and so on you might want to set for for the team as a whole um it's a it's a good avenue of sort of doing that as well as getting that social interaction, isn't it? Ian, have you got some
0: thoughts? yeah,
4: so the other thing that 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 spurred in my mind is that's a very good way of trying to generate and reinforce organizational culture as well which i think has been the other big casualty of of the last two years because when you've got staff who are who are joining the organization without the the context of an office and and a, and the office environment and the office atmosphere that they can take cues from about what the organisation is all about. When when they're just sat at home at a desk with a laptop, this kind of thing will at least give them a taste of what how the organisation grew organically when when everyone was all together all the time. I think it's a really good idea. Um, I'd I'd also be inclined to put at least part of that day quarterly aside for just letting people socialise and chat and maybe maybe putting some structure around that without necessarily making it to do with work
2: yeah indeed and i i, I do just really think that in terms of getting the most out of your your workers as i touched upon with loneliness and the sort of definition of that from mental health and awareness week and it's the kind of when you when you look at the sort of if you're feeling lonely because the disconnect between the person you are and the person you want to be is that let's say you, you know you just don't know enough Middlesbrough football club fans and you really want to know more Middlesbrough football club fans. And then you have this uh, hang time in the park with with a colleague and you've never had the chance to find out that they're a Middlesbrough football cl- club mm-hmm. fan. And then suddenly you feel less lonely because you've had that ability to find some shared interest and common ground. And then and then, as a byproduct of that, you're working as a better team because you actually you feel like you're connected more with your colleagues. And I just think there's so much of that that we've, we're losing and we've lost. Because we're not, we we we're just we're also busy and we're we're not factoring in that kind of like soft skills approach of kind of deeper connectedness and um, it's it's kind of sometimes a bit hard to justify, you know. I feel a little bit sort of self-conscious about tabling that on on a diary that we it almost feels a bit cheeky to, to to say that we want to do this, you know, half day away and, and do that kind of thing. But I think when you look at the broader benefits it's um, it's probably going to be really kind of like strategically important in terms of finding those those connections for each other. I, I think it's also worth
4: putting a pin in the fact that mental health is just as relevant as physical health to your workforce. And, you know, we put an awful lot of effort into health and safety and realistically we should be putting an equivalent or similar amount of effort into the mental health of our teams, especially given everything they've gone through in the last two years.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Thank you, everybody, for that. Um, some really interesting points made there. I think, I mean, I think I, I, mean, I can contribute to this. It's not a technical topic, this is it. But I think it's interesting to hear, like, all of you guys echoing very similar thoughts, um, which is why I think also, like, podcasts like tonight's a really good way to kind of, you know, meet new people and, and connect with others that you wouldn't usually um, get the chance to do. So I'm, I'm glad that I'm able to kind of provide that platform for you all. Um, all right. Well, I'm conscious of time. we have got two questions left. Before we move on, I just want to see if you guys have got any time after six, just in case it runs over a little bit. Does anybody, any of you have to dart off at six on the dot or? cool. No. Perfect. All right. Well, we've got the two questions. We'll probably run over by about 15 minutes. So, um, Liam, we'll come round to your question next. So yours was coming out of COVID and straight into a critical recovery point for NHS services with enormous waiting lists. What techniques are you deploying to keep your workforce healthy, empowered and performing to their best? From a clinical point of view, I see programmes such as the professional nurse advocate training, but there appears to be a gap from our non-clinical counterparts.
3: Yeah, yeah. So so like I say, I'm I'm a nurse. I'm a nurse at heart. My, my five year old um, says I'm a computer nurse, but I still feel like a nurse, even if I might not be doing it all the time. Um, there's there's always a lot in the news, isn't there, about nurses and doctors and uh, the workloads they have, the stress levels they have and so on. Um, but clinical staff make up but a small part of our NHS workforce and are just one part of the machine, aren't they? And we need everybody working to be able to to function as as a whole. Um, the things like the professional the professional nurse advocate training is sort of it's designed so that there are um, uh professionals on the ground, on the front line with additional training and support to be able to to help their colleagues to stay to stay, you know, healthy, performing to their best and and give them that avenue to for somebody to talk to if they need to. Um, and I just wondered what other teams are doing to sort of are they replicating that in any way or have they got any other techniques um, to 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 um, keep their staff performing to their best and And I suppose touching on the other subjects we've already looked at, you know, preventing that isolation and and so on.
0: Thank you, Liam. Um, Jodie, we'll come round to you first on this one.
1: Okay, so from my point of view, there isn't so much a specific programme like there is um, for the nursing team, but um, I think within sort of admin, which is sort of my area, our sort of teams are structured a bit differently. So they have always got that constant support from sort of um, supervisors and line managers, et cetera. So, um, well, it goes about saying most of our teams still have team meetings every week. Um, so you can check in about things and then regular one-to-ones with the staff as well Um, and this just sort of provides that constant platform whether they've got anything to say or not a lot at all any sort of issues can be raised in in those conversations and they can get that sort of immediate support and feedback from the line managers um for us there's a couple of sort of um programs and places that we direct people to for if it's more emotional support or mental health support we have a vivup service for our staff um which they can sort of automatically um get in touch with and get some sort of automatic support and it comes in sort of different formats as well it they can speak to people um or they can just you know read some advice on the internet whatever's their preference um we also make sure that you know staff are aware of these things regularly don't forget about them you know we have an occupational health team as well that will often refer people to for it could be physical support it could be um sort of more emotional support that they need um so that for for me in particular our teams are structured so that we can provide that support for them but i think in terms of thinking about sort of the recovery position and the extra pressure that that might sort of um put on our staff i think so far um, we've really tried to make them aware of where our pressures and pinch points are that affect them and sort of link in with their job just to keep them in the loop um, so you know they've got a good understanding of sort of why we're asking of certain things um, or um, you know why we need extra support in certain areas um, and I think it's also very essential that we sort of ask for their perspective and feedback and what are their thoughts on it and Um, So they feel involved and they feel motivated and they feel valued um, because often they do have very good feedback and ideas for us. They see it more firsthand, some of the things and are able to provide really good ideas for us. Um, So, yeah, and I think the other thing is just um, we touched on it a bit before about sort of organisational values. I think it's just um, sort of ensuring that um, our teams and individuals are still well aware of them and how they impact on them because those are particularly so I think our values are designed to ensure that people have got that support from each other um so in our trust we've got something called the proud values which sort of um really reinforces sort of like unity and teamwork and patient first and, and that sort of understanding um so yes sorry I've come of it from sort of two points of view um and it's probably different depending on what kind of area you work into what kind of sort of line management structures you've got and what support is available.
0: Thank you, Jodie. Yeah, Rob, we'll come around to you next.
2: Uh thanks. Yeah. Um, well, you know, I'm I'm really privileged to sort of work for a a, a mental health uh, trust, which um, I think in in many ways has kind of been maybe at the Sort of bleeding edge of um of, of support services to a certain extent and um that's probably necessary because it's it's an incredibly stressful job you know my wife um was a community psychiatric nurse and um uh i know i know how heavy clinical caseloads are and um the, you know the, the 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 trust treats its corporate and its clinical staff very similarly uh in terms of the services that it can can offer. Um and indeed some of its patients. I mean, um we ha- we, we do have a, a, a mindfulness service which is actually kind of um delivered through or signposted through an employee support service. And be it corporate or be it um service users or, or, or be it clinicians, um any of the any of us can use the, the mindfulness service um and um it's uh, essentially an 8 week course that um that people can use uh, it used to be 12 week it used to be principally um located at a, a specific um center or, or, or you could essentially the service runs from different localities so you you might stay in a particular north yorkshire locality go to a particular spot every week um and um be taken through um a mindfulness course which is really designed to um help manage stress stress and help to build resilience into the workforce as well as um you know uh, as i say um service users as well um so that's something that having traveled a little and been into sort of southeast asia and um Places where this is culturally kind of normative. I was always quite interested in that sort of thing, and I've I've done that course myself and found it very useful. Um, and I've um, encouraged some of our staff to do it. It's a bit weird, really, that um, something which um, has almost been sort of pitched as almost a digital detox in the first instance, where we were maybe uh, running those services from those um, small co- kind of community hubs, be it in a church hall or or, or somewhere like that, and now. It's kind of been the, the services are being delivered through Teams, which seems like something of a, a mismatch and something of a contradiction. Um, I think you, you need, really need to make sure your, your notifications are out of focus if that's if that's something you're going for. Um, and uh, I've got colleagues who who have done it that way, and that seems to run very well. Um, but um, yeah, as I say, the trust the trust uh, as as a whole does offer an employee support service um which can signpost you towards uh counselling and kind of psychological support and the, and these kind of things accessing a number of different um self-help tools very impartial um and um you know kind of um confidentiality is really important in that space and you know that's obvi- obviously um sometimes where you might signpost people um if they're at that sort of crisis point but i think to to put measures in place to uh Really try to keep the workforce healthy. Obviously, part of the beauty of the home working ethos is that um, you know you you do have the ability to sort of mix and match the work life balance. Um, and um, I've encouraged my staff to to keep timesheets, and it's not because uh, it's it, it's mainly for them to watch rather than for me um and it's very easy to get into this lapse of oh you know just one more thing it's so convenient for me to kind of like you know not go and do x y i said job out there or sit and play with the children i'm I'm just gonna you know keep going and do this that or the other and then you find you've put a you know an eight hour day in or a, god forbid a bit of 12 hour day and then you know as that mounts up you know you can get to a critical mass so it helps me to be able to check in and see whether people are. Uh, going too hard and for too long uh, it gives them then the great kind of like you know um, I suppose like ticket to sort of check out if they if they if they if they feel that they want the sort of uh, payback for the efforts that they've put in um, that flexibility uh, that's offered is it, it's paid back in kind and I do always encourage as well you know whether it's people wanting a longer lunch or an earlier finish to do their social things but even if it's within the the realm of um, being on the clock and 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 doing work for for myself, I've often felt that problem solving um, can be very difficult when you when you're this close to it. And just giving that flexibility and that allowance to say, you know, uh, go for a run if you're up for doing a run, or just go for a walk, or just just step away. And you know, even if you're within work time, find finding the thoughts that arise. And the perspective that you get on a particular problem or situation with work with the distance of being alone and one with your thoughts and just kind of away from the desk and going and doing it. it it's amazing what solutions I've found when I've been out going for a run for work problems as opposed to just being sat here in front of the desk as, as Jodie says as well, though, you know, um, those traditional methods. The appraisals and the one-to-ones and those kind of things. I think being diligent about those as managers and and y- using it as a, a listening exercise and and actually kind of also a vector for um, check-in to connect to uh, allow those meetings to breathe a little around the the notions of hey how are you how's it going you know what's going on with you uh, as well as what's going on with the job and. Um, to to recognize that as a valuable thing as a manager, I think is really important for for staff to to make them feel like they matter. Do you know what I'm saying?
0: Thanks for that, Rob. Ian, I could see you putting your thumbs up to a few points made there. What what do you think?
4: Yeah, um there there's a couple of points that I'd like to pick up on there. First of all, absolutely agree with what, what Rob's just said. Um there was a situation with one of my direct reports where you had two working parents of two small children trying to manage childcare when the schools were shut down, and do their jobs from home with only one desk space, and I I I, I watched someone's mental health deteriorate in real time with with that happening, and the last thing that they needed was for me to be an awkward manager at that point and say why are you not doing your nine till five so you you know you've got to be you've got to be as flexible as it is practical to be and you've got to be as supportive as it is practical to be and you've got to remember that a broken member of staff is no use to you and you know that that might sound harsh but that is the kind of way that you've got to frame it to some people but the the other thing that that i wanted to pick up on um we are we're an admin function. We're an arms-length agency of Leeds and your partnership, and one of the things that we got very heavily involved in during the pandemic was PPE distribution across the entire region, and that was one of the most stressful things I've ever done. Um, and and the, one of the things that got me through that was the mindfulness courses and the mindfulness app. That, that that were made available to, to both through the trust and more generally to the NHS. I think um, one of the very popular um, mindfulness apps basically made itself free to NHS uh, users of, over the course of lockdown. And that basically kept me sane, not not just for um, taking 10 minutes out every so often to, to do to do an exercise and just calm your mind, but also, I've taken to using um, the exercises that that, that, that app uh, gives you as my replacement for my commute. So it it becomes it becomes your liminal activity that stops something from being work and starts it being your time again. But I I would absolutely agree with what Robert said about the value of all of all of the mindfulness stuff that that is culturally embedded in some other cultures, but which has always seemed a little bit um, soft in terms of its application over here. Its value has really been proven over the last couple of years.
2: Thanks, Ian. Rob? I don't don't know whether Liam wants to come in here, but just to quickly interject that um, what I sometimes find really difficult is just going and sitting down with the family straight after a stressful day at work because I find that my mind is so wrapped up in that that I. I find it hard to get words out of normal conversation with like a uh, you know an an eight-year-old and 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 six-year-old uh, because I'm I'm so fully in work mode. Now I tend to do one of my practices before I start work, and I've and, and I've tried to set myself a, a little bit of a challenge of maybe just having a two or three-minute practice after work in that decompression zone that you're talking about. um I'm, it's really in- interesting and cool that you say that you're doing that Ian and it spurred me on to try and get that on the other side of the day often the reason I don't do it is because my missus is saying your tea's going cold it's on the table right now <laughs> and I'm rushing in there going oh, I'm sorry I'm sorry it's uh, I'm late <laughs> I'm, I'm delaying it again uh but but I think if I did have that two or three minutes I'd probably just have the sort of the change of gear and the bandwidth to to start having those normal conversations instead of thinking about work stuff.
4: I, I really value the time that I take to, because you, you kind of put a different head on for home that you do for work. And if you take your work head into your home environment, um, it, it can cause all kinds of problems. So it, it, it's a really valuable exercise to just remind yourself to let go of all of the work stress. It, it will still be there tomorrow. It's not going to magically disappear overnight. And... You can pick it up again tomorrow, but the time and it becomes so important when you're working from home. The time that's yours is sacrosanct. It has to be, because if it isn't, then. Work will infiltrate every single part of your life. And before you know it, you will be doing those 12, 14 hour days.
3: Thanks, Ian. Liam. No, I think that's all really useful. Thank you. I think in particular. Um, I think what's resonated with me is about that sort of that time before and after work. You know, I'm I'm i I used to drive quite a lot for um for work. I'm I'm sitting here looking at Ian and his what looks like a convertible with bucket seats, and I'm sure he used to enjoy his commute as well. Um, but that used to be my time. That used to be my time before work or after work. You know, I'd be I'd be thinking about what I wanted to do at the the weekend or whatever, or I'd be decompressing at the end of the day and planning my my strategy for the following day and it all sort of bleeds into one now doesn't it I, you yeah. know i'm i'm really lucky that i've got my own space at home to to work and then shut the door and try and forget about it but a lot of people have a laptop on you know their living room table or their, their their um their their kitchen table or whatever and and it's always there isn't it it's always there looking at you so it must be really hard to to decide that work's over when you know you've got got all of that um waiting for you
1: Thanks Liam. Jodie? No I just want to touch on that also I'm someone so I still have my commute and I and I until you until you've all just said it out loud I I really do like my commute and particularly after work um, when you've had not necessarily stressful but sometimes the things you do can just mentally sort of drain you in a way and, um, and it sounds well it might not sound sad to everyone but I am often I'll get in my car and I'll put something on where it's just people talking so like Radio 4 or something like that and I do that all the time and it's not necessarily I'm not always listening to it but it's always a completely different conversation to what I've just had whether it be I don't know what they have have, you know all sorts of things on there and it could be about gardening it could be some sort of soap opera thing but And sometimes I won't even listen. I'll just be with my own thoughts. But I think that it's and it's about for about half an hour. And that really does just like um, Ian said, change from work mode to home mode. Um, And it's not a problem until someone else gets in my car and they're like, why are you listening to this? And I'm like, well, (laughs) I'll turn it over now. But no one quite understands. But it's just that that sort of changing mindset. I think it does really help.
0: Thank you, Jodie. Some really interesting points again there. I just, I just, yeah, really, really enjoyed um listening to your thoughts. Just sometimes it's just like simple things like you say that you kind of just forget about. I think COVID in particular has probably brought about a lot of these conversations and kind of like changes. Um two years of our lives just completely vanished, but hopefully now onto kind of new ways of new ways of working and, and moving forward. So thanks for that, everybody. Um so finally we'll come on to the very last question um, so Ian this is yours so what I'll do um, just for the purposes of yourself and um, I'll read your question back to you just ask you to give a bit of an insight to it if that's okay then we'll go around with the answers um, so Ian your question was in light of the enforced move to remote working many non-frontline staff have had to become used to remote working and communicating through video conferencing while it has kept people going, as well, it has well documented knock-on effects on team morale, spontaneous conversation, silent working, and broader issues such as loneliness and work-life separation. How have the panel addressed the isolating effects of remote work and what has been the impact?
4: So, I think we've already touched on quite a lot of this in some of the earlier questions, but I want to pick up on one particular part of this, which is that um to be an effective worker in an agile environment, by which I mean working from home for the majority of all of your time. The level of IT literacy that is required from staff has jumped sharply. And I think Jody touched on this earlier on, people didn't have webcams, people didn't have uh, second monitors, they didn't have all of this stuff that we take for granted in an office environment. And that's had to be scrambled to people's homes where they've basically been left to get on with it. You know, I, I, I'm, I'm, I work in IT. I know which cable goes in which port, but I'm very aware that not everyone does. And if you are presented with a mysterious black box, a monitor and a tangle of cables and no help, um, it, is, is that is that a positive way to be handling your staff's working environment? Um and some trusts have been better than others with this. Um, ours has actually been pretty good. But I I've reached out to colleagues across uh across elsewhere in the north of England, and not everyone's experience of of, of getting set up for the home environment has been positive. There's also um a knock-on effect around the behaviors that um uh, living by video conference drives, and I'd be interested to know whether or not the rest of the panel have have got policies in place that limit meeting length or that that lock ten minutes off the end of their meetings, so that you don't run from video conference to video conference to video conference all the way through your day. Um, and if so, whether or not they they've they found that to be challenging. Uh, um, um you know what whether or not there's any thought around policies for well-being in the new world that relate specifically to the way that we have to communicate now because even if we do move back to the office on a on a one or two day a week basis and i think our, our trust is looking at a permanent agile solution um everything you know the fundamentals have changed and I wonder whether or not our thinking in terms of procedures and policies needs to catch up with that.
0: Thank you Ian. Um, Liam I think we'll come round to you first on this one.
3: Lovely thanks. Um, I think in terms of uh, looking at you know policies procedures and and, and guidance for how we communicate um, in this sort of this new setup we've got i I don't think they've caught up with with where we're at because we were all scrambling so much to begin with, weren't we? You know there was there was all the issues with the equipment, there was all the issues with what is and isn't safe in terms of a, a platform for it. you know people you know um trusts largely picked up Microsoft teams, but other services were using things like Zoom and there was controversy about whether that was or wasn't secure enough for for different things. Um, So I just don't think we've caught up yet in terms of what behaviours should be and what the limits should be for how we're communicating with sort of this agile approach. Um, I also think it's really interesting what you say about bouncing from meeting to meeting. I think we all cover fairly large patches, don't we? And we have stakeholders up and down the country, um, all of which want an update on their particular area. But when you then have to replicate that to everybody else, that's five or six of the same meetings that you're having to to have. And it really does eat into time, doesn't it? It really sort of saps um, any sort of spare time you have. And and um, I'm sure we all started off bouncing from meeting to meeting to meeting and we wouldn't have dreamt of doing it to the to the volume that we did if we were um, physically present and having to to travel to them because there wouldn't have been the time to accommodate it. But because, you know, I suppose it's like when mobile phones came in as well. People rang you because they can get a hold of you. Um, if you give someone a piece of equipment, they're going to use it. You know, the the fire brigade chopped the roofs off cars because they've got the jaws of life. If they didn't have it, they'd be extracting people from cars. But because they've got it, they chop it off. It's quicker, it's safer. It's what they do. Um, I just think we need to, to take a step back and work out what, what we actually need to be able to move forward in a in a more cohesive way rather than sort of just faking it till we make it which i feel like we've been doing to some extent particularly at the beginning of the the um the pandemic you know when in march when um uh, my team like i'm i'm sure a lot of your teams were were just told you're working from home now um here's a bit of equipment crack on and, and best of luck with that um in terms of benefits, though, I think, you know, for, for if, I, if I talk about personally, um, I found working at home to be um, really useful. It's given me a lot more time with my family than I than I would have had. Um, I'm seeing, you know, my, my daughter comes home from school and I actually see her before she goes to bed. Um, dog comes along every now and then, slobbers on my leg and then walks off. Um, so I think things like that can be really, really useful, you know, for, for your mental health. To, to feel like you're connected to your family. I think it is just about that balance of making sure that your work's not following you afterwards. And, and again, I'm speaking from a place where I've, I've got a, it's very grotty, but I've got a little office at home. I've got a little space I can close it away and, and forget about it. And, you know, uh, some of my previous teams, you know, had had a caravan on the driveway, so they used that as their office space or, you know, things like that. Um, not everybody's as fortunate to have that space going and you know if you the the example you mentioned earlier Ian you know two two workers with the kids rattling around the house at the same time um I can't begin to imagine how stressful that was for them and um, and and how do you how do you how do you have a balance for that
0: thanks Liam um Jodie we'll come around to you next
1: okay um so I think firstly touching on sort of like the equipment side of things so we did we did we have been pretty good as a trust I think at sort of getting people set up I think our main thing in the very initial stages of the pandemic was having enough equipment to be able to provide and knowing what they need and they also needed access to a lot of different things so you probably have a similar thing like you know VPN codes and security codes I myself found that difficult to sort of set up and um get it working on my laptop and a lot of people did struggle with it so we tried to ensure that people had uh, we created sort of instruction booklets like little sops but you wouldn't normally just have knocking around when you're working at work to set these kind of things up um but that was one of the difficulties and sometimes you know um there was IT variety difficulty big connection or the drives aren't loading and and those things are still an issue but the things that our our it team can can resolve from home but um, like we mentioned before, it's not it's not for everyone. Often some of my team will ring me up and just t- drop me a message and just say my VPN's really slow today, it's not working, but it's something that they can't really help. So from my point of view, I just said just do what you can, get on, one, get on when you can. It's something that's out of their hands as well, so I'm not sort of precious about oh you need to work later etc. Um, I trust that they're doing what they can to get it sort of going. Um, and then sort of from the sort of, um, sort of the the communications we're having through Teams, et cetera, and um, the amount we do. I totally agree with what you're saying. You have mu- much more meetings than what you would before. You're literally back to back. Whereas, um, so we're based over two sites. So often if you were in one meeting sort of at one site, it'd take you half of an hour on our shuttle bus thing um, to get to the other site. And that was your breathing space in between to sort of catch up on things. Um, and I saw at one point set up in my diary that, I'm going to have all my meetings on the same day, you know, like my one-to-ones and my team's meetings to catch up with everyone. And I soon found that I can't do all that on the same day. It's quite, um, it does sort of drain you. Um, So split them out and sort of put into practice things like carving time out in my diary, blocking it off so that people can't put things in my diary either. So and and completely block out your own day. I think you have got to protect yourself sometimes. Um, so for some members, particularly in my team, they won't they won't be on a lot of team meetings, but other people will be and you do have to protect yourself, give you that time to um time for yourself to sort of, you know, actually get something done. And when people always say that to me, like, why what are you doing on Wednesday? It says you're busy. I'm like, I'm gonna I'm gonna actually sit down and do something. What well, I've had all these meetings about all week and, and I think that helps me mentally to sort of organise things. Um as a trust, I I think, um, like Liam said, it, it is something that we still need to recognise and maybe sort of document and put some structure into it. Um, we do have a working from home policy, um, which has been developed throughout COVID, um, and it's maybe something that can sort of be worked alongside that. And sort of the working from home policy sort of says, you know, touching base, coming into the office every two weeks, so that sort of, you know, you get that social interaction, but you're not always sat at home, you know, struggling with your connection. You've got a lot more resources here as well so I do think that side of things definitely still a work in progress.
0: Thank you Jodie and then Rob will come around to you. There's
2: a, there's a lot to unpack here and I know we've been going for a, a fair amount of time so I hope the podcast listeners um, don't mind it it's stretching out maybe there might be, need to be an edit but there is a there is a lot to unpack and I think um, there's, there's some feedback that I've got for this podcast from the um information or we are now called digital data but uh, but our, our our department that I work for has got a, a staff forum. Um I've kindly had some feedback on this question from from the group. Uh, so I'll give you the official take and then I'll give you kind of my take. So um the uh the feedback on homework and from the staff forum is that the trust has learned a lot in the last two years. Um and uh previously the, the Trust dictated that staff attend and worked out of offices, and now we are, like some of you guys have said, very much in the policies, like a formal policy of what works for for you is what what works, and what's kind of uh, the, the the policy the policy is what works for you. So you know, if you if you need to be out of this broom cupboard that you're actually kind of um, stuck in when the when the restrictions are in place, and of course, please do come in. Um, the well well being's been talked about a lot, and um, the introduction of cameras on, uh, as a policy, uh, which started at the beginning of May, is helping to. Feedback from the use of cameras is that it's nice to see staff's faces, um, meeting meeting people. <laughs> it sounds daft, as not it? We've been doing this for two years, and maybe some people have been locked into having the cameras off the whole time, and they're just starting to get some of these connections. But it's making uh, a person the video conferencing in a, pers- a more personable thing, and it makes them feel like it's not just. A call from uh, another call from uh, a, a faceless agent, I guess. So better interaction, and, c- and it can make people less anxious, seeing and talking to a person rather than a voice on the phone. In some cases, home working has persuaded staff to, to stay with the organisation instead of um, leaving because um, they're able to kind of work locally and 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 not have to kind of travel as as, as far. So that's a a big benefit, and it's been said that there's been fewer sick de- sick days, and it has. Uh, started to introduce a a better work life balance. So that's the the official take. I think from my seat as a sort of, you know, kind of leader in the um, technical sections, I work alongside end user compute um, colleagues who have uh, been part of what I would call like a laptop storm. um, In as much as there's, there's just been huge amount of procurement, huge amount of delivery. I mean, they've done an amazing job in kind of knocking a lot of that kit out, especially through uh, a global superconductor shortage which has meant that supply lead times on kit laptops etc has been very hard and there have been quite a lot of clinicians who've been stuck with older kit and I think they've thought oh the trust's a bit useless because they can't get this stuff out but un- unfortunately we have been living through a global superconductor shortage as well which has meant supply chains have been very difficult uh, for my part I've led on delivering a, a, a VPN solution so Jodie when you say that particular scenario just to put some top spin on the kind of the 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 path we've been on and the numbers, we we're a trust of about eight thousand staff back in the day. Um, when we had a different vPN solution, the um the number of concurrent connections, this is probably going back four or five years ago was pr- from the from similar numbers. Maybe we've gone up from six thousand staff to eight eight thousand in the in the last kind of four or five years. But we used to have about four hundred and fifty concurrent connections licensed for that particular service sometimes it would hit the hit the roof um on on particularly busy times but most of the time that was a number we could live with um now we use a different vpn solution and we're averaging about 1900 connection concurrent connections like seven days a week that 450 number used to be just kind of like probably seven eight o'clock at night when clinicians would come home and want to put their notes onto the clinical system and that's when it would get busy but through the day there would be nothing like that and now it's kind of fairly solidly around that kind of um, you know getting on for 2,000 concurrent connections the whole time so there have been infrastructure challenges in that respect Um, but um, one thing that was other interesting feedback from my colleague when I said I was coming on the podcast they said, hey, look, we um, we organised some sort of hang time together in the office to do some uh, strategy kind of development and this kind of thing. We were really looking forward to getting in and, and, and talking to each other and doing this this strategy development. But what we found when we were all hanging out together was that we are all sat in the same room and people were almost having the nervous tick of distraction because they were still getting messages on Teams and they were still feeling like they needed to respond. So it was almost virtually no different to being... At home, because we have just got so indoctrinated into this kind of like it's almost kind of like human cyborg integration, really, because we are sort of just becoming one with the technology, and we just can't get it out of our bloodstream, really, which is is a is a very bad thing in re- in many respects. And so what you're saying, Jody, you know, um, I've I've there's been a couple of measures that have been uh, attempted by the trust. So formally uh, articulating from a senior management level of the department. Um, it's now trust policy to um, make sure your meetings start at either 10 past or 10 to the hour so that you've got that breathing time in between. Very hard to enforce, very hard to regulate and people soon forget and it just kind of got forgotten about and then all of a sudden you're still bouncing through a day's worth of back-to-back team meetings and coming out to the dinner table just not knowing where you are because it's been so intense. Um, so I think um I think uh, what can we could do to sort of try to uh, move forwards with this I, I I definitely think that culturally we need to make it more normative to not be kind of like um I suppose hated on for like spending periods of time offline because you often will assume like oh they're offline they must be on annual leave well can we change that to make it no they're offline they're actually doing some work rather than spending all day talking about doing the work and not having any time to deliver it. Um, so, I, you know, I cer- certainly need to to get better at that myself. And I would certainly encourage that of my staff because the cold call sort of just, um, you know, ad hoc requests that come through constantly mean that you just, your attention is getting so fractured and it's just getting so fragmented that the ability to actually concentrate on one piece of work for more than 10 minutes is often just like, it's it, it it's it's unusual um so um I suppose you know reflecting on working from home myself some of the more minor challenges I've had is has just been the odd occasion where the kids have been fighting or they can't get the netflix or, or or whatever and sometimes you have to go and solve that that problem as well I will say as well um you know for all of the sections that we've got one of the, the departments that's suffered the most and I want to give a shout out to the service desk because i used to work on service desks for a long time and i know that they are kind of the heart and soul of like a, 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 you know a department and a service and and you know kind of in terms of delivering technology um that we all lean upon so much That um those guys who you know spend so long talking to people who are who are stuck that can be you know a very very challenging um, job to do and it really does require good you know customer service and good Uh, business knowledge to be able to do that well that's been very compromised with with doing that via teams and this this homework and ethos what you don't get is the ability to sit around a big desk with 12 to 15 people who've got various degrees of experience and business knowledge there and and you're all kind of living and breathing the sort of patterns of the heart of the organization's technology and if you're seeing something that's kind of different you can say but I'm getting a bit of a sense here that this might be a problem in this area for this particular system. Is this what you're seeing? Yeah, I think that does look dodgy. I think we should call Dave. You know, those those conversations can't happen in that way through through teams. Um, so I know the service desk manager who works for our organisation finds it really difficult because he d- he only gets a team meeting with his guys once a week on a, on a Friday. And, you know, not only are they losing out on that exchange of of info, but they're also losing out on the ability for that that problem to be managed uh, in in a way by managers. So um, there are still challenges, and um, there is a lot of uh, craziness in the mix. I think the final closing comment for myself, though, on on this on this question, really is just that when we have our team huddles, we de- we definitely sort of try to um, allow like if there are natural kind of um, sort of segues towards um those those moments where um it's not just about what you did yesterday what you're doing today and what issues there are but you know talking time about taking time to talk to each other about um personal experiences like a a lot of it where we've gone off on tangents that have been really kind of I think um good for mental health Have been where we've talked about how um people have had experiences with the vaccines themselves what their reactions have been how they've had experiences with getting COVID themselves, you know, talking about the, the statistics of, of you know, where the numbers are going up and going down, or indeed even with the, the war in Ukraine, where we've got all a lot of this crazy stuff that's going on and just having the bandwidth to just actually say, you know, how, how are you guys feeling about this? How are you guys processing it? Um, it's important stuff. And I think having the the bandwidth there to actually kind of bring that to the table and just have first 10 minutes of the of of the conversation just the ability to table that and to check in on that does make you a bit stronger as a unit really and and um as we continue to navigate all this stuff I think that's always something that I'll try to make time for for people if that makes sense
0: thank you Rob whilst I would absolutely love to hear everybody's thoughts on kind of you know the discussion so far um i think conscious of you got your guys times run over a little bit so um, i think we'll cut that there just like to say an absolute massive thank you to all of you for getting involved um, it's clear to see how kind of passionate you all are about this topic whether or not we come back for round two who knows um, we'll see but i'd just like to say thank you for everybody for, for getting involved